and thanks for tuning in to another episode of Living Artist Podcast. Today I'll be interviewing Nancy Hilliard-Joyce, who's a North Carolina-based painter. She's dedicated to giving back to the environment and women and children in need by using her art as a platform to raise money for charity and nonprofit organizations. She regularly produces large-scale commission work for public spaces, including airports, hospitals, and hotels throughout the country. She's an art curator for boutique hotels located throughout the Southeast. And in the fall of 2018, she published a short memoir of turning passion into purpose titled The Education of Little Me. Welcome to the show, Nancy. Thank you. It's good to be here. Nancy and I met at the University of New Mexico in Albuquerque, where we both got our master's degrees in art education and had a lot of fun along the way. We definitely had fun. (laughs) (laughs) And before we jump into talking about uh, Nancy and her art and her background, I just want to talk quickly about my hope for the podcast, uh, which is a cross-pollination of ideas, creative ideas. And uh, I have the website, the Living Artist Podcast website, where I post images of people's art and people's poetry and biographies. And I was talking to my friend Susan, who's the poet I interviewed yesterday, and she was on the Living Artist Podcast website and saw Nancy's work and loved it and was inspired by Nancy's recent paintings about the theme of time and said that she would like to write a poem about a similar theme as a result of seeing Nancy's artwork. So I thought that was really cool. That is so cool. And I love that story so much. And it it just inspires me in so many different ways to keep, you know, continuing with what I'm doing. Because a lot of times I do kind of question my, um, you know, not necessarily my direction, but whether other people, it'll resonate with other people. So it's nice to hear that it's not only resonated with um, somebody, you know, um, else, but another artist that can possibly write about it. Definitely. And then I was thinking, too, for art, visual artists, they might go read of one of Su- Susan's poems and be inspired to paint something or draw something as a result of that. So I'm really hoping that that happens. Absolutely. And that brings me to a discussion of just arts communities, since we're kind of creating a, a community through this podcast. So I wanted to ask you, Nancy, I know you're living in Concord, North Carolina now, which is newish for you. Um, but have you, well, and before that you lived in Asheville, which I know is a center for the arts. I've never been there, but I've heard amazing things about it. So I was hoping you could talk a little bit about your studio in the river arts district there and what the arts community was like there. Yeah. So I moved to, or we moved to Asheville, our family moved to Asheville in 2011 and we had moved down from New Jersey. And while I was in New Jersey at the time, I had worked out of a a home studio and I was not terribly prolific, but I was consistent with producing work. But when I moved to Asheville, um, I had actually lived there prior. So it wasn't my first time living in Asheville after graduate school. It was my first job uh, living in Asheville and working as an outreach curator for the Asheville art museum. So I was familiar with the community and I was familiar with um, what was happening there as far as the arts Um, so I kind of dove in head first because my kids were finally school aged, um, where I had the freedom to be able to produce and work throughout the day without, um, constant interruption. And so I, uh, immediately contacted, you know, an old friend of mine and found a place down in the river arts district and found a studio there and it was um gosh everything 
I had hoped and dreamed. And I really burned the candle at both ends for a while because I was trying so hard to kind of just, um, you know, submerge myself with um, the arts and the arts culture. And to be, it was almost like I had finally ended up where I wanted to be, even though I was, you know, I don't know, 40 something years old. I was Mm -hmm. (laughs) over 40. I can't do the math. I don't know how old I am now. So maybe (laughs) I was like 40. (laughs) Too much for me. I I don't know how I, but anyway, oh no, I was in my thirties. I was in my late thirties because I turned 40 and I had a party in my art studio there. But um, anyway, I just felt like I'd finally gotten to a place where I felt at home and it was phenomenal. And so it was almost like taking, uh, it was like a, you know, a, a five year um, kind of not sabbatical from life because I was definitely involved in life and my family, but I, I really deeply, deeply, deeply submerged myself in the arts. Um, I would paint until two and three in the morning. I'd get up early and go and paint. And it just, it became my life almost to the point where it was a little bit um, overwhelming. And then we moved to Concord because that's North of Charlotte. Um, and my husband found a job working, um, in Charlotte, you know, Asheville is a great place to live, but you, um, it's difficult to make a living there unless you are a doctor, a lawyer, entrepreneur, or teacher, you know, so if you're not kind of my husband's in finance and it just, uh, Charlotte is where we ended up. And so we decided to live in Concord, which is just North of Charlotte. And, um, you know, I kind of isolated myself for a while here. I think a part of it was me going through a little bit of a, like a depression and shock, you know, going from one community to what I felt like a town that I'd never heard of in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, we also couldn't find a house. And so we lived in an apartment complex. Um, it was a three bedroom. Yeah, I guess it was a three bedroom apartment, but it was, I mean, I swear less than a thousand square feet. And our kids, because we didn't know we were really going to stay in that apartment apartment for too long, slept on the floor and in their rooms because we kept thinking, oh, well, we'll find a house and we'll, we'll pull our beds out of storage. And we had a guest bed that my husband had been using in an apartment prior to that so that he could work. And so we had a bed, but it just was, I, I was painting out of the dining room. We had no dining. So we didn't have a dining room table. We didn't have anything, any furniture except for my easel and my paints. And, um, I kind of just set up my studio in the main living area and everyone kind of, we just kind of, I don't know how we did it. We (laughs) lived there. I honestly don't for a year. And it was my kid's first year to new school, making new friends, sleeping on the floor. Um, I'm hoping they don't have to go to therapy for years um, (laughs) after this. But, you know, my husband said to me at the time, I just I was definitely a little depressed and I felt like I'd been kind of ripped out of an environment that was beautiful for me. And he just said, listen, you know, um, he was trying to motivate me, I think. And he just said, you know, I know this isn't ideal, but you know, you, you should be able, he didn't didn't say like this was something along the lines of, you know, I think that you can make art. Some of the most beautiful art or or poems or music is, is kind of built out of hardships Uh and um, not being in the right place. And it shouldn't matter, you know, if you have a beautiful studio or a place to go, it should just be, you know, 
if you're a real artist, you can make art anywhere or something like mm-hmm. that. And I kind of took that as like a challenge. And I was like, you're right. You know, you're right. And I um, was super prolific in that apartment complex and did produce some work that I'm very proud of um, while I was there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then since then, um, about three years ago, we did find a house finally. And um, I live well, I work, um, out of the house. Mm So it's a little bit isolating still, but I have a great big studio, um, that takes up, um, you know, has open windows that are, you know, I I get natural light and the ceilings are high and I pulled up all the carpet and tiled it just because I knew I would have paint everywhere. It's easier for me to wipe up the paint from the tile than it is from the carpet. Uh And, repainted the walls and made it my own and and um have started to get a little bit more involved with the community I sit on a board here the Cabarrus Arts Council and um there is a small uh community here of artists and I truly have not done a great job of connecting but I have connected a little bit with and I think you said I think I saw on Instagram because since you're active there um that you had an art opening in your studio at your home did you have one recently or was that yeah, so I um, have always kind of done my own thing um, or, you know, just taken kind of an alternative path. And so if I have a body of work that is ready to be seen, then I just kind of make it happen. Mm-hmm. I don't wait for somebody to say, oh, here's a space or here's a. So, yes, I had um, an opening it kind of it's really I kind of make it uh, two for I have, you know, kind of a party, um, and an opening. So come over and enjoy yourself and hang out and drink wine. And, oh yeah, here's some art. Yeah. Um, it's also just kind of letting everybody know that I'm an artist and I'm not necessarily thinking, you know, I'm going to make large sales, but I just want people to know that, um, you know, I am an artist and this is what I do for a living. And here's some of my pieces. And um, I've gotten several commissions out of just having that um, party. Mm-hmm. So it's been, it's been great. And um, things have been working out um, even though it's not a traditional path. Yeah. How have you met other artists near you? I know that um, we can talk about the one person you met through trying to find a larger size cannabis. Yeah. I'd love to hear you, you share that story. Cause I, it's a great story. Okay. So I, yes. So I have made friends with, um, there's a a man here who is, um, I hope he won't mind saying his age, but (laughs) he's, he, he's, um, a great young at heart man. Um, he's 81 and his brother is a muralist. His brother, um, is Nicholas Bragg and he is, um, been an artist all his life. And, uh, Frank, my friend who's, who's 81, he, just decided one day after, you know, he's had a very successful career as a financial, he started his own financial firm. And then, yeah, you know, I, I don't know exactly how long ago, I'm going to say five or six years ago, but it could be longer. Um, he just decided, you know, what? I think I'm going to give, I'm going to give painting a try. Um, and so he's been, he built a barn where he has set up his art studio. Um, and he is, extremely um he is very active painting constantly all the time and has produced hundreds and hundreds of of paintings and i met him because my son who's 12 years old is very good friends with his grandson and so um i didn't actually meet him directly i met him indirectly and um my um son's 
friend's father said, you should meet my dad. He's an artist too. He would love to meet you. He would love to talk. He doesn't have anyone to, you know, really commiserate with. And he loves for people to give feedback on his art. And I was like, I love that. That would be amazing. So, you know, cause I knew the family. Um, anyway, so we just, I think, you know, we just either started texting or he said the, um, Frank reached out. He said, do you want to come see my barn, my studio? I was like, yes, I would love to. We've gone on all sorts of like field trip type things together. He took me all through Charlotte and met, you know, a whole bunch of gallery owners. Wow. And then we went and met, I know. And then we met, um, somebody who is a woodworker because, you know, I was kind of, I had a lot of friends who were um, woodworkers in Asheville who would custom frame my stuff at cost, you know, not, yeah. you know, and it just was beautiful um, reclaimed wood. And so I just was sad about losing that kind of contact. So he's introduced me to a lot of people, but it's also, we, we actually just applied for a show together and got accepted wow, congratulations. <laughs> to, to do Thanks. We're excited um, to do. It's an arts, you know, fine art fair um, that happens in Davidson, which is right at Davidson College, um, Art on the Green. And so we hope that that doesn't get canceled in lieu of what's yeah. happening, you know, in the world right yes. now. But it's not until late April. Yeah. And it's outside, but we, we, you weren't really supposed to. We kind of broke a rule and you're, you know, you apply normally as one artist, but like, I've never been one to want to carry it and lug a tent around and mm. do this sort of thing. And he wanted to try it because he's got just energy, exponential energy. And he thought this would be a great idea. So he bought the tent and we set it up and we took photographs so we could apply. And I, I applied for us. And then we got the acceptance letter last Friday. We're like, all right, here we go. That's so great. <laughs> so, yeah. And so, yeah, he's back to the canvas thing. I mean, I'll text him every now and then and I'll say, I've got a commission and I just went to, you know, a couple of different art supply stores and they don't have this size. I can build it myself. Or do you happen to have a 48 by 30? He's like, Oh my God, I've got seven of them because he stockpiles stuff. Uh -huh. So I'm like, that's great. <laughs> so I take them over a, a canvas that I have that was a little bit bigger off size and we just do a trade or, um, you know, something like that. So it's just so nice, you know, even though um, we're not, you know, of the same necessary generation, yeah. I, I feel so connected um, in that sense, just to have somebody, you know, I'll text him work I'm working on and he'll, um, you know, talk about the work that I sent to him or um, he'll send me a painting uh, that he's doing and he'll say, what do you think about this? And you know, I'm, I'm very honest. He, he said, I think you're the only person that's ever been honest with me. Wow. He's like, everybody else just says, oh, they're great. Yeah, they're, they're great. And and so I think he values my feedback. And, um, you know, I think he, you know, we maybe think of each other as mutual mentors. Um, so that's great. I'm learning a lot from him. And I think he's learning a lot from me. And it's been great. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I thought we could just go back a little bit to your background, just so people can get a sense of how you got into painting and how that became your craft. Um, so I, I wanted to ask you if you did you have any artistic, an artistic family growing up, or uh, I know you went to the Governor's School for the Arts and Humanities when you were 16. So maybe you could tell me a little bit about about your background. So I, my dad, um, you know, I mean, he was a lawyer, a corporate lawyer when we were growing up, but he always would carve um, wood in our basement. That was just his passion. He would, 
he would carve duck decoys and and was constantly doing woodworking um my mom was a really great photographer in the 80s you know would take these yeah she was she would take macro photographs of children's faces when you know kind of up close where you could just kind of see just um the gleam in their eye and they'd be looking off and they were very candid and just it was before all this kind of stuff was popular and it was just you know a lot of pictures in the 70s and 80s people were just posed and looking straight at the camera and she just took these very unique um I don't she never and she still doesn't think that she you know she was a photographer she doesn't really give herself enough credit but people and families would come over and say, will you take my children's photographs? Will you do this? She really could have made a business out of it. But then she also had a passion that she still has um, for the yard. She's a master gardener. Wow. And so, you know, she has been in the yard all my life. From, <laughs> you know, she she really she loves to get dirt under her fingernails and she loves to just be working. And her grandfather, I mean, my grandfather, her father was a farmer, gardener, kind of like an entrepreneur um, you know, jack of all trades. And, and he, um, they lived kind of, he would have had corn and grapes and he made his own wine. And so she just has always loved, um, gardening and she, the way I think she handles color throughout, um, her flower beds and the way she organizes, um, you know, the, the lines and the structure and the, everything, it seems a lot like a painting and people have, when she lived in Atlanta, they, um, oh. you know, reorganized the historical tour to go by her house so that people could see her yard. Wow, that's so incredible. It's, it's phenomenal. So I feel like I was surrounded. Yeah. yeah. So I feel like I was influenced that way. My dad's also pretty big. Um, they, they've started, they have always collected mm-hmm. art uh, of actually uh, women artists um so i've been kind of influenced by that as well and then are you have two oh go ahead and, well go ahead. well i just you know one more person i want to say i was influenced by is um my dad's aunt um was was an artist and my aunt nancy is also an artist and so i am yeah. surrounded by um you know when my dad's aunt passed away she gave me um I don't know if she necessarily gave me or if I took it. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't think, I don't know if I knew I was an artist at the time, but I think that in my mind she gave it to me, but I still have this wooden box that had all these pastels and paints and stuff in it um, that she had. And, and then my, my aunt um, is an artist and she is a watercolor artist and paints um, traditional, you know, beautiful flowers and that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, so it, I am, kind of surrounded by arts that's amazing and then you have two sisters are either of them artists as well or or you're more of the three you're the most artistic I am um I would say my little sister definitely has um some artistic ability in her she painted a little bit kind of growing up but um they I'm the middle child I'm kind of the one that did her (laughs) own thing and it's a little bit different (laughs) but um my older sister is a college counselor and my younger sister um, has four children. And so under the age of like 10. Um, so I think right now she's, you know, 
I don't know if she is, will get back to the point where, you know, she rediscovers her creativity, but she's certainly crafty and creative and does a lot of great things with her kids and homeschooling. But um, no, I'm kind of the different, you know, rogue <laughs> sister. <laughs> um. I know that's surprising to you. Well, how about um, going to some of your favorite artists, just when you, you know, sort of started painting or just through your life, who, who are artists that you really admire and have been influenced by or inspired by? Yeah. So, well, my dad used to, I mean, okay. So there's, I have current ones that I, um, that I admire. And then I have ones growing up that, that inspired me that maybe I'm not really drawn toward, toward as much Mm -hmm. anymore. Um, but so Edward Curtis, um, do you know he, was he, he a photographer? Yeah, yeah. Yes. So he was a photographer, a Native American. He he would photograph all different types of Native American Native American tribes, and kind of the you know um, just oh, these haunting, just beautiful photographs. Um, and my dad had several of these. Um, and then I, one year in college worked as an intern at the Denver art museum and I got to file and, um, handle a lot of his Edward Curtis photographs. And then previous to that, my first solo show that I put on by myself, um, it was at the Sandler Tesler library at Wofford college where I went to college and I had a solo kind of you know, exhibition. I think it was the first time they had ever done anything like that. And I just told them I wanted to have one. And they were like, <laughs> okay, let's figure this out. <laughs> so I had done all these um, pastel and charcoal drawings um, inspired by Edward Curtis photographs. Because for a long time, I really was like, yeah, I'm definitely Native American. No one's told me yet. <laughs> and um but and since then, I've done several tests and I have no Native American in my blood at all. And I was super depressed <laughs> for a while. But um, I just have this connection yeah. and pull to the Native American culture. I just I feel so just uh, connected to that. But um, yeah, so Edward Curtis was a big influence. Jasper Johns has always been, um, you know, I've always been fascinated by him and mm-hmm. his work and um love his just uh god just the the layers and layers it's almost like rothko the closer you get the more you see and from afar it looks um you know right. more simple than than it than it actually is and georgie o'keefe um has always been a big inspiration of mine um a because she's female mm-hmm. and um in B, I think that Stieglitz kind of, um, her husband, who's also a photographer, put her in a light that I really loved seeing her in just even as a person. And I followed her work for a long time. I actually went, sent to boarding school, you know, for a lot of reasons, but I went to, I was in boarding school for a while and it turns out Georgie O'Keefe had gone to the same boarding school. It's an all girls boarding school in Virginia called Chatham Hall. I know. And so then when I went to the University of New Mexico, you know, she, of course, was in New Mexico for years and years. And and then I was in New York for a while. And so I felt a closeness with her because I, I painted, I've done, you know, architectural stuff in buildings, which she did. And she did, you know, up close um, flowers. And, you know, I've done a lot of um, uh, 
nature pieces kind of, as I say, from an aunt's perspective. Mm -hmm. So macro kind of looking. And so I do, I do feel like kind of a connection to her that, but though I think most recently Gertrude Fisk um, is somebody that I have kind of, I have a little bit of of an obsession with, I think she's, um, she's an American visual artist. She's a, figure painter she's a still life painter and a landscape painter and she was part of the boston school of painters in the early early um 20th century and so she paints women and umbrellas and a lot of the stuff and i discovered her after i had been painting women with long dresses that looked like they were you know from the late 1800s and susan b anthony like and, and umbrellas and this and then i discovered gertrude fisk and i thought oh my gosh I just felt so connected to her work. Um, Robert Rauschenberg has always been uh, just, uh, you know, his work is, it it is mind churning and just, it connects with me. Um, And then Robert Kushner um, is, um, you know, his pattern and decoration um, just, you know, it's just something that I find, um, you know, intriguing and, um, inspirational. And then two more, these women, Catherine Longhurst. I don't know if you've heard of her. She paints these women that are just, her name's spelled K-A-T-H-R-I-N, but she paints these, oh my gosh, look her up on Instagram. These women that are larger than life. Um, and they're just such strong female figures. And I actually didn't discover her until I think within this last year, but she is like, paints like the contrast between war propaganda imagery and then the glamorous and and she just has oh it's just she's it, it, flying female warriors and um she just she just is very inspirational and then um kind of an abstract artist well i don't know if she's kind she really is an abstract artist is Ka- another Catherine, but spelled k-a-t-h-r-y-n mcnaughton and she's very contemporary and very young and very beautiful <laughs> <laughs> she's like um you know, I'm like, she looks like she has it all. <laughs> she, her paintings are, oh, just wonderful. And she is, couldn't be more than 30, uh, maybe 30 something, but she's um, showing all over the world. And um, I think she lives in, in New York, but I love Catherine McNaughton's work as well. Yeah. So yeah, I have a lot of people that I think are um, just elevating yeah. art, you know, that, yeah, help me and you know, take me along the way to, to, to help me be, you go and stay unique and, um, my line, stay my course. Yeah. I was going to say related to that. I feel like I've discovered a lot of artists through Instagram. Um, I I went to the living artist podcast, uh, not sorry, not living artist podcast, the, um, mother artist podcast website. And, uh-huh. and right. just, um, you know, looked into a lot of the artists there and started following them on Instagram. And there are a couple I might want to interview for this show as well. But I feel like Instagram is a great way to be exposed to a lot of other artists. It is. It is. Because, I mean, there's only, especially, I mean, we all know this, but like you look back and a lot, and there, there's a lot of books coming out now that are kind of talking about the women artists in the world. But there's just not a lot if you're flipping through books um, historical books that is, you know, it's mostly about male artists, which they were phenomenal as well, but it's, it's nice to find some female, especially, um, female mother artists out there that you can relate to that have, that are producing incredible work. That's inspiring. For sure. 
Um, and then just, I was thinking we could talk a little bit of just about your actual artistic method, just because I find it fascinating. Um, Nancy posts uh, videos on Instagram where you can watch her painting these layers and it just, it's completely mesmerizing to me. Um, so maybe if you, without giving away all your secrets, just, um, just about your technique mm. a little bit, like using the Japanese paper sometimes and modeling paste. And um, I don't know if you could talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So, you know, my technique is different depending on which um, series I'm in and I do paint in series. And so for one particular series I use and I'll set up and decide this is going to be the way I approach this entire series because I want consistency. So currently um, I'm working on a series of women um, which you mentioned in the beginning and all of these women, every single painting I decided was going to be monochromatic. So I decided every painting was going to have one predominant color. Um, and I was going to add whites and, um, you know, um, Payne's gray or, um, something to kind of tone it down and bring it up or, you know, lighten and darken the values of, each piece. Um, and these women are grappling with the thought of, um, or with the concept of time. And the women are all dressed in long dresses, like 19, late 1800s dresses. And they're all holding, um, or pulling or pushing or, um, juggling, um, sand, um, hourglasses. Mm -hmm. Um, so there, so it's the time is represented through the hour and the sand and the, in the hourglass. And, um, so each of those pieces I've done on panel, I don't always work on panel, but this series is on panel, um, cradled wood. And I actually use paper from Nepal, okay. not okay. Japan, but I'm, I mean, I'm not, I love paper from Japan, but it's <laughs> just, I've been, <laughs> No, no, it's okay. Um, but yeah, this is handmade paper from Nepal. And, um, and I, um, so yeah, with this series, I am taking, I kind of, I, I take the pieces of paper and they come in large sheets and I kind of, um, take them and make them into kind of patchwork pieces. So I, so if I have a large piece, I'll, um, break off and tear different pieces um, so that then I can layer them on to the board. Um, and I use just kind of a, I've used all different types of stuff. I, you know, have everything from photo mounting spray um, and squeegee to get it flat to, um, to, you know, um, all sorts of kind of medium pastes just, just to, to build and so the painting have, up, right. To add layers and to build the painting mm -hmm. up and to add layers before I even begin painting. Mm -hmm. Um, and because it really is a lot, uh, I mentioned this somewhere and I don't remember where, but it really is about the layered lives of the women mm -hmm. that I'm, or people, it's not all women, but I mostly paint women, but I don't always paint women. It's, you know, but I, a lot of it, uh, the layered lives that we all have, mm -hmm. Um, that are not necessarily always uncovered or seen by others. And so I have, that's kind of the underlying purpose of that layer of painting. It's not just that. I mean, when you add the paint onto the paper, um, it's fascinating how um, the paint can soak in different areas and saturate different areas. And so the undulation of kind of the, um, and the texture of the paper becomes so um 
to me, delicious to look at, you know, up close. It's just, um, it, it, you know, from far away, it may look um, more two dimensional uh-huh. and the closer you get, it really becomes very three dimensional. Um, and these are large and paintings, then so, right? These, these latest series, they're fairly large. They look <laughs> they large. Are. I wonder if they'll, they <laughs> are, you know, I, um, uh, yes, some of them are. So the smallest one I did, and I don't, uh, is 24 by 24. I don't really like to go smaller than mm-hmm. that. I mean, um, I sometimes will, but uh, I prefer larger paintings. And then, um, so yet yeah, most of them in this series are 42 by 42. Oh, that is big. Um, so yeah, so I, I picture them, you know, I visualize the end of the show before I begin a series. So I visualize them around the room and how I want it to look. And so I picture, I have three more to do. I'm going to do, um, 14 and well, there's a reason behind that, but it, so I, I've just visualized them around a room. And then, so all these different colors on each of the pieces so that you can focus the color has kind of a, a purpose and then, and then you can look closer about kind of how she's dealing with time or what she's um, what, if time is kind of a burden or if it's pulling on her, if it's weighing on her back or if it's um, if she's juggling time or if it, she's celebrating time or navigating time. And so you can kind of go into each of these um, pieces and uh, the titles um you know, are representative of, of that as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there some are larger. Um, yeah, for well, it depends what you mean. You know, it depends. It's all relative. Yeah, large. Well, and related to the so. whole series idea, I, I wouldn't mind hearing about the Murmuration series because that's another one you've done that I find beautiful. And maybe you could talk a little bit about how you came up with that idea. So yeah, so that was God, it's interesting. I start thinking about so currently. I have about three more paintings to go in this current series and I lose sleep at night thinking about the next one because I never want to, um, I want it to build, you know, I want it to, so the murmuration series had been building for, I'd say a year before it finally, and I'd been painting. So murmurations, let me back up. Um, a lot of people don't know what they are and it sounds like you're having a heart attack, (laughs) but (laughs) it's not a murmur, but, um, Murmurations are starlings, um, and starlings are birds that were brought over by Shakespeare, actually. Hundreds of years ago, there was a hundred starlings brought over to, like, Central Park. Um, And I don't know the exact story. I think I did it at one point. But um, these starlings have multiplied. They've kind of overproduced to the point where they're a little bit of a detriment to farmers because of um, their roosting practices, But that being said, and that aside, when they are trying to um, avoid predators like the peregrine falcon and the hawk, they fly in these undulating cloud-like patterns that almost look like schools of fish. And so the, you know, peregrine falcon or the hawk will go toward, you know, will zoom toward one of them and they'll you know, bend and fold in these different, just gorgeous cloud-like ways that just is mesmerizing. And the birds, the starlings speak to each other, seven birds away. So they have this communication with each other. Um, and they, it, scientists don't quite know um, the reason or thoughts behind these murmurations, but their thought is that they're working together as a group. Um, so as so that I think the predator will maybe think that they're one large formation and to confuse the predator so that they can't kind of go in and hurt one of the 
or injure eat, you know, one of the starlings. And so I just found this, um, I was watching them. I could, you know, just, I just have always been fascinated by them. And I was trying to figure out how I usually, um, vacillate with my series and I go from, um, maybe more something, um, um, figurative and then my next series may be a little bit more abstract or or less um obvious than you know so I kind of vacillate and I had prior to that um done a series of trees uh, called southern roots and I'd done a, a you know a lot of trees that were southern trees and I'm from the south and so then I wanted to do something a little bit different and so and I was doing some birds you know in my um southern roots kind of pieces um and then I just started you know, I hate to sound this, this sounds so hokey, but I had like a, a little bit of epiphany and I really wanted to have like an abstract, but I didn't think I could go straight into abstract without confusing the viewer, mm-hmm. you know, about what type of artist I was. And so I wanted to integrate things and pieces of my work that I'd used prior so that it really worked together and people could say, oh, okay, that still is a Nancy Joyce painting. I can see where that came from. It's not completely out of left field. But um, so with the murmurations, to me, they were so, they are so patterned and beautiful. They're almost abstract, yet the closer you get, you can see. And at some of these pieces that I did had thousands and thousands of birds on them. Um, and But from far away, it completely looks abstract. And then the closer you get, you can see the details. And are the these birds. made with layering as well, similar to the time? No, okay. They're, they're no. totally different. So I didn't use any mm-hmm. paper on these at all. Um, these are, they were mostly on panel. I think they were all on panel. No. Uh, yeah, I think they were mostly on panel. I did do them on panel, but I did the paint directly onto the panel. Um, and so, yeah, so um, that did okay. not use paper for these, no. And that was probably one reason I, you know, the only other time I've actually used paper, layered paper like this, besides this current series, was a series I did um, back in 2015 um, for, it's called Bicyclet Mm -hmm. to raise money um, for young girls. Um, And I ended up going to Cambodia for that one. So that was the only other time I used paper. Um, But now I'm enjoying it. So I think I will for certain you know, series continue to, to, to use that depending on and what do you, I mean, I know this is looking forward, but do you have any sense of what your next series might be or how, how do you get the ideas for the series? It's just kind of happens over time. And I guess you never know what the next series will be, I guess. So I do have an idea. Um, I don't know, you know, probably have to be honest, like four ideas and it's, it's a little bit frustrating because I, I journal a lot not as much as I, I, I shouldn't say a lot. I go in, I ebb and flow with my journaling habits. And when I journal, I journal a lot. And when I don't journal, I, you know, I, I need to um, sit down. I need to write these things down because I do have, I feel like three or four great ideas I have great ideas. Well, I want to say great. Cause that seems so narcissistic, but I feel like they're good for me. They, they work for me. They're good for what I'm thinking about. Um, and I just need to write them all down, clarify my thoughts, sit back. And, and I do have stronger pulls about a certain kind of work that I want to do next time. Um, and I'm, and I keep leaning toward that, you know, the tricky thing is I think as an artist with anything, I think whether you're a singer or an artist or a poet, and I mean, artist is an umbrella term. 
I grapple sometimes with, I know what will sell. Um, and so I, but I don't want to paint what's going to sell. I'd rather right. paint what, you know, so for the murmuration series, I was so excited and I just felt so convicted and I was like, I'm going to do this. This may be weird. No one understands what murmurations are, but then if I explain them, maybe they'll love them, but I don't. So I just did it. And none of my work was really selling. It was kind of like, okay, well, maybe I wasted time, but I really enjoyed it. And then all my work, I got into the next series of these women and my work from the murmuration series started flying off the shelves. Uh -huh. I was like, okay. And so people were really interested. So then, I, you know, you start questioning, well, should I be back doing murmurations again? <laughs> <laughs> no one's buying my women with hourglass. <laughs> what I feel like I just, I do these things and then I move on to the next thing. And then I feel like people will be like, Oh, love those women, you know, without, I have sold a couple of the women, but uh -huh. I'm going to bar them back. If I have a show, I'm looking to do a couple of shows, but I mean, you know, so it's, I do have an idea of what I'm going to do. And I just kind of don't want my id and my ego to fight with each other. I've got to keep saying, okay, I've got to do what is true to me and, and what really feels right. And I'm passionate about, mm -hmm. and if they don't sell, okay, I've got more work that I can hang on my walls and that my children are going to not want when I die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, related to that, um, I had a question just about, is it hard for you when you sell a painting, like to part with a painting, just cause you know, I've made various art pieces in the past and sold them and sometimes you know I not regret but it's sometimes hard to part hard to part mm -hmm. with something you've invested so much time in and you know you know I've had a few paintings where they made me sad um to let go of because um they for some reason they hit a chord with me that was different or um it took a little longer and I struggled more with it and so I think when you struggle, a lot of times when I struggle with a painting, it turns out to be one of the best, even though in the middle of it, I'm like, I don't even know why I'm painting. I'm the worst artist ever. <laughs> why am I wasting my time? I need to hang this up. I need to do something else. This is just awful. And then I fight through it. And it turns out to be not only what I think is one of my best paintings, but a painting that everyone is like, after it sells, somebody else is asking if they can buy it type thing. I'm like, what the heck? So I have had a few that I have had a hard time parting with one was Sacagawea. Um, I did a series of 13 women back in 2013. Um, and I um, painted these inspirational and influential women that were all 48 by 30 inches on canvas. And I arranged them around the room in birth order. So pre-Greek mythology, you know, oh, well, you know, it was Joan of Arc and then, um, it, pre-Greek mythology and all the way to, um, you know, Jane Goodall, but Sacagawea was the very first one I painted. And I didn't even know I was doing the series at the time. I just had, of course, you know, cause I'm native American, which I'm not, but I, <laughs> I want to be, and I was painting Sacagawea and I just kept building up all these layers and I kept giving her this beautiful, just headdress and this, you know, not, not with feathers, just this beautiful, like, I just was so, I just loved it. I felt so, I just, I didn't care if it, I didn't care. I didn't want to sell it. I loved it. And then I thought this, she can't sit alone. This is so random. You know, I can't just paint one woman painting and then move on to, I, I paint a lot of bikes, you know, bikes, you know? So I thought, yeah. Nancy, you've got to stick with this, do something with it. And so I ended up painting 12 more. Um, wow. 
And, but that painting, I just, it, it, and I still remember painting. I remember struggling with it. I remember fighting with it. I just remember thinking this is a waste of time. This is awful. Um, but it went to somebody that I love so much. It could not be with a better person in her background and her story of like her, just her personal story as a woman to me is so, I love her so much and so deeply. It just couldn't have gone to a better person. And so I'm just happy where it is. And I was kind of, it was hard for me to depart with that Mm -hmm. one. And there have been a few others kind of like that, but, um, I guess I'd rather them be out there in the world than um, with me um, just because I do feel like eventually we're all going to die. And my poor kids are going to just be like, what do we do with this junk? <laughs> junk? <laughs> oh, we have a yard sale. So I'd rather it go to somebody who loves it. Than yeah. To and you can go visit it, it too. If it's a good friend of yes. yours, you can go visit your art, which is nice. I haven't seen her in years. I have all these good friends I never see again. <laughs> I'm such a good friend. No, we talk a lot and I do. I love it. And you, you're right. I can go visit it. And it's so weird to look back on art that I did, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine years ago. And I, either I think, God, that sucks. You know, I look at it. Like, I've come so far. I can't believe they bought that. Or I think, wow, I was pretty good. Yeah. I can't do that now. You know, and then I, it's like, oh, yeah, in the world. So I, I spin around and round and around. I can't decide. It just depends what day it is and how much coffee I've had. Or... <laughs> <laughs> well, I was so, thinking we could talk yeah. a little bit about some of your interesting, not side projects, but paintings that um, you've done for bands that became CD covers. And then you created a one of a kind painting for a brewery, which I, which I think is pretty cool. So maybe you could talk a little bit about that. Oh, yeah. So (laughs) this is a neat story, too. Um, I was in there's a grocery store that actually just went out of the chain, just went out of business called Earth Fair. It's in the southeast. And I was in this grocery store in Asheville. And I've always had this fascination of music and visual art. Always. I just have just, you know, I think to a lot about how, you know, you can repeat a song and people are just going to just ah, free bird, you know, and I'm like, paint yeah. it again. And no, I don't paint this great paint. People love it. Like, paint it again, paint it again. <laughs> like no one's yelling that to me and nor if they did, I couldn't, and it wouldn't be the same. I have painted a couple of paint where someone I've tried it. It's painful. Yeah. So, but you know, they keep getting money or paid again and again to go to these shows and play the same songs. And, and they're not, they do, you have to keep being, um, you have to create new songs and you have to stay relevant and all those things but it's just sometimes I think God, wouldn't it be nice to just be able to paint it again mm-hmm. um but I do I have this fascination of this overlap kind of like you mentioned in the beginning cross-pollination between music and art because I can't really paint I paint with music music is my soul mm-hmm. um, you wear and- headphones right as you paint I think I saw a photo so, on Instagram of you with your headphones on. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes I, I wear headphones and sometimes, um, well, now that the whole world's quarantined, I've been wearing headphones again, but like I, um, sometimes when I'm home alone, I'll just blast it out, you uh-huh. know, yeah. um, onto the speakers. Um, and then a lot of times I listen to podcasts, but music really just gets me kind of in the zone. It makes me be, um, completely, just where I'm supposed to be, um, you know, not thinking, um, too much about anything except for 
how to make lay this paint down and make these marks on this canvas or board or whatever. But I was in Earth Fair and I'm, I'm eavesdropping on this man on the telephone. He's on the phone and he's talking about uh, a label and this and got to do this and the record and, you know, sign this deal and this. And I was like, he's in the music industry. Um, I'm going to ask him if he wants to collaborate. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, you know, I'm not very fearful because I think I've failed so much in my life that like fear just isn't scary. Um, so I thought, well, I, you know, what is he going to say? You're a crazy person. No move. So anyway, long story short, we, um, he, we, he, he was, um, we sat and we had, we had a long conversation about the collaboration of art and music and, Anyway, he's a producer. <laughs> and so it turns out, you know, we just stayed in touch because we'd see each other at the grocery store waiting in line for smoothies. And um, and then one day he brought a couple of people and came to my studio to see my work. And then one thing led to another and he had a band that he was signing and he said, um, they're interested in you possibly creating an album for them. Um, and, you know, we would love for you to kind of conceptualize an idea for us. And here's the name of that one. So things just kind of started taking off with that. And then, well, actually prior to that, I'd applied for some um, position to get some, there was an artist, I think it was before that somebody had put out a call to say who would like to kind of have their art on our, on our CD cover. And I won that. And so I think that was my first cover, but that was just random. And then my second cover was through this producer. And then since then, I mean, he, he signed a lot of, um, he's a bluegrass um, producer. So it's not mainstream, you know, Uh it's not, um, you know, rock. Yeah. I was going to name somebody, but I'm glad I didn't because I either would have been, yeah, I'm glad I didn't name anybody, but <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't judge somehow. But um, so yeah, it, it, right. And so it's bluegrass, which I enjoy. I mean, I, I love the mandolin. I love um, bluegrass on a lot of levels. But so it's been mostly that genre. Um, and it, I'm working on a current project with um, one of the bands now that I don't think I'm allowed to even you know, I, I, they haven't even announced they're doing it, but it's a really interesting project that I'm super excited about um, that they've asked me again to be, and, you know, this band, Balsam Range, um, they, uh, I've probably done five or six covers for them now. And they, um, you know, they're international bluegrass music award winners. Um, they've been in, you know, um, the wall street journal and Rolling Stones. And so, I'm happy to be associated with them. Yeah, you know, they're sure salt of the earth guys. There's five of them and they just are the nicest, um, just so just family oriented, great people that um, I just, I love being associated with them, you know, on so many levels. So it, as long as they keep asking me to collaborate, yeah. my answer is yes. So that, I don't know when that'll be announced maybe later this year. Um, but so that's that. And then as far as the um, brewery thing. Oh, wait, before we go on to the brewery, sorry, oh. one quick question. When they come to you for the CD cover ideas, mm-hmm. are they looking at work you currently have or do they want you to paint some specific, around a specific image or idea? Both. Okay, so the very first time I worked with them, they came to me with the name. No, that wasn't the name of their album. They came to me with the name of their first song. And I... W- 
conceptualize an idea, talk to him. I asked him a lot of questions and I conceptualized an idea and we went back and forth and I made changes. And then they finally said, that's great. Do that. And I painted a 60 inch by 30 inch painting that ended up being wrap around the CD cover. So, you know, a 30 by 60 would be essentially square, you know, if you wrapped it around the right, CD. Right. So it'd be a 30 by 30, but it wasn't, of course, at CD size. But um, so I conceptualized that idea. And then after that, they came to me and said, can we use this image that you've already painted um, for one of our covers? I'm like, sure. And then, I mean, we work together. They, 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 it's not for free, you know, yeah. it's not, um, but it's, 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 um, uh, I just love them so much. And it's just such a great kind of partnership way. Yes. It's a great partnership. And, um, and so they've asked me for a few covers that I've already created Sometimes they've taken a cover um, and then we've reworked kind of the painting into a different image. And then most recently, this project that um, hasn't really been revealed yet. I just um, the lead singer came to me and said, hey, I have an idea that I think I, I want to work with you on. What do you think? And and so I've been going back and forth with him. And I um, have no I know Photoshop pretty well because I um I went into marketing after graduate school because my dad was like, you know, you're not going to make a living as an artist. So let's do something practical with your life. And I um, worked for as a marketing director for several law firms for years. And I learned Photoshop, just self-taught myself. And so I know it pretty well. And so when I conceptualize ideas, I kind of layer imagery onto Photoshop um, so that they can kind of see the thought behind where I'm going with the um, concept. And then I send it to them. And so we're kind of currently going back and forth with this current project and we've almost nailed it down. And he's so excited. I sent him the first rendition and I didn't hear from him for about four days. And I thought, Oh my God, he didn't want to write back and say, this is the worst <laughs> concept I've ever seen and so I, I was like okay I need to come up with a new concept like before he can turn me down and say you're an idiot I need to come up with it so I was sitting down at the computer to kind of rework a second concept and I got an email from him going this is amazing this is the best is better than I thought this is exactly what I was I was like oh my gosh oh my gosh I couldn't believe it so I, I'm so thankful you know so we, we do there's a couple of things like he's like well what if we did this or and can we change this or how about this idea? And so we've been just kind of going back and forth. Um, and so once that's nailed down, then I will take that concept and turn it into a painting. So um, that's, it just depends yeah. kind of what they're looking for. Yeah. Yeah. I, I interrupted you about talking about the uh, IPA, the seasonal IPA label mm, that you worked on. That so. was so cool. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. And that was for Green that, Man Brewery, I think it was called. It was for Green Man Brewery. Okay. So let me just tell you, the owners of Green Man are very good friends of mine. So uh, there's a billion artists. And where is that brewery? Just to... Asheville. Okay. Asheville, Asheville. Okay. Carolina. Listen, they distribute their beer all up and down. They're originally from Florida. And so I think that their beer is all up and down the East Coast. Mm -hmm. It may be more than, you know, all the way to Tennessee, maybe in California. I'm not sure about where their beer is. It is distributed, but it is a great beer and they're a great family. And um, the wife, Wendy is a super great friend of mine. The husband is awesome. And, um, they, um, just came to me and said, um, we like your work and 
how we did a how about if we did a collaboration for this beer and he um really wanted to he's it was like a triple collaboration so um toad the wet sprocket do you know that yeah yeah okay so he had just and i'll probably get this story wrong but he had um he somehow got connected with them and he loves them and he i guess saw like a a sticker or something on the side of you know or one of maybe um uh, I don't know how it happened. Somehow they collided their worlds. And then they said, Hey, what if we come up with a wet hop, you know, toe the wet hop, you know, like a wet right. hop kind of like, like beer, seasonal beer. And then we can kind of triple collaborate with visual artists, with, you know, brewery and with music. And um, so they came to me and they just said, Hey, here's our idea. We want to play off this album that they did here, but we want it to be green man related. We want it to be this, we want it to be that. And so, again, I conceptualized this idea and we kind of went back and forth and they're like, that's it, do it. And so I painted it onto a board. Um, I don't remember how big it was, maybe 36 by 24 and then framed it. And then I gave it to the owner um, and they took a Dennis and Dennis took or got his, you know, got an image taken of the original artwork and they made it into a label. And so then it was on this beer um, that was a seasonal wet hop, you know, beer that was, I think um, October, which is when you could only get the, the hops, uh-huh. you know, that are, I don't know much about hops or, you know, <laughs> you're not a brewmaster. No, <laughs> I'm not a brewmaster. I can drink a beer, but I can't tell you I much about the hops. Pretty good. No, <laughs> exactly. That's about all. Well, so, just so yes, people know it, the image of the, um, I'm looking at your label now on your website and it has two, the face, a, a man's face in profile and there's one in more green on the left and, or white with green on the right. So is that supposed to represent any person or just an so abstract? If you, well, so that's the green, green man is, um, it, I've never seen a profile of the green man. I had to kind of come up with his, what his profile would look like, because if you look at the green man beer, it's mostly he's, he's looking at you. Okay. The green man is always um front on and so that there's a folk there's a a lore you know about um the green man and um so he though that kind of image is in all their beers he's looking straight ahead Uh and he either has sunglasses on if it's a summer ale or if he's wearing you know whatever um but i had to kind of come up with what he would look like on the profile but it was taken from toad the wet sprocket um yeah, if I knew you were going to ask this question, I would have researched. No, <laughs> Sorry, so um, one of their albums, uh-huh. um, there is a profile of, it's not obviously a green man, but it's kind of a, um, you know, it's, I think it's a red and white or orange and white kind of um, almost looks Escher, like, you know, negative positive space mm-hmm. type thing. Yeah. Um, and so it was conceptualized from one of their albums. Got it. No, I love I'll it. have to Google that. <laughs> okay. So yeah, if, if anyone's interested in what we're talking about, go to Nancy's website and go under her uh, paintings and then commissions. It's on that page. Um, and related to your website, there's a lot of good content on Nancy's website. So her website is nancyjoycegallery.com. And um, she has a whole page dedicated to causes she supports through her paintings. So I was kind of hoping you could talk about your trip to Cambodia, just a little bit about the Lotus Petals organization and your bike series, because I think it's really great what you did. 
thing. So yeah, in 2015, I um, was trying to conceptualize, you know, an idea there and I ran across this, this quote from Susan B. Anthony. Um, it was uh, close to two 30 in the morning and it said, the quote said, let me tell you what I think of bicycling. I think it has done more to emancipate women than anything else in the world. It gives women a feeling of freedom and self-reliance. I stand and rejoice every time I see a woman ride by on a wheel, the picture of free, untrammeled womanhood. And at that time, you know, I was already painting bikes. And I, when I saw this quote, it was underneath a drawing that a little girl had done, and she happened to be from Cambodia, of a girl on a bike. So I was like, what is this all about? You know, so I dug deeper and I found out um, that this little girl had gotten a bike um, through this organization called Lotus Outreach International, Lotus Outreach International, which was, um, and uh, Lotus Pedals is a subsidiary of Lotus Outreach International. And um, Lotus Outreach International does several things for girls all around the world. But this particular sub-organization, Lotus Pedals, helps provide all-terrain bicycles for young girls so that they can safely get from their villages to their schools, because a lot can happen when they walk two or three miles to go get an education. And um, most of these girls are put in the fields with their moms to work and the boys are kind of educated. But if you can provide bikes for these young girls, they can safely get to their schools and back. And so essentially a bike is providing education. So it just clicked with me. You know, I was already painting bikes. I was already painting women. And I thought, this is what I have to do. I have to raise money for this organization and I have to give back. This is just, I have to do this. And, and so I just was, I wrote them a letter that night, I, like 3 a.m. I sent an email, found this, you know, told them everything and said, I want, and then I decided it was October when I sent the email and I said, I was going to have an opening. Um, it was October, 2014 when I found this quote and when I found this photograph and I sent them an email and I said, I'm going to have an opening. Didn't even start a painting, hadn't even started one painting. And I said, I'm going to have an opening. October 2015, and the, I'm going to give 20% of everything I make back to Lotus Petals. Would you be interested in partnering with me? Well, they eventually they did write back, and long story short, it was a super big success. I did paint the paintings. I painted over 20 paintings. And they're all, had, they and all have bikes in them, like the bike images. Well, so, or umbrellas, mm -hmm. women with umbrellas, because, um, umbrellas to me, I paint a lot of women with umbrellas, um, represent kind of protection. And so, and then when you go to Cambodia, which I did, or, um, Vietnam, that area, you know, you never see anybody in a raincoat. It's just, it's so beautiful. Everyone's wearing an umbrella mm -hmm. and it's just so Christo, you know? Um, and so as a reference to Christo, the artist, <laughs> who I yes. love. Yeah. <laughs> it just is so kind of just, to me, artistic. Everyone's walking around with these. Yeah. And just beautiful. Umbrella. It's yeah, beautiful. Yeah. And, and so, you know, umbrellas kind of are of that place and time. And so, so are bikes. And so I did, it's all women with umbrellas or children on bikes and the bikes are usually, you know, almost too big for them because they are, yeah. you know, the bike, they grow into their bikes and they share, they pile up on top and they share with their brothers and sisters and, um, so yes, there is a combination of women with umbrellas and children and, on bikes. And I traveled over there. Yeah, I was going to mention you and your mom went and it sounds like it's just incredible being there. And, and didn't you donate a bunch of bikes to them as a result of the sale of your paintings? Yes, my goal was to donate. I made a YouTube video. I did a fundraiser. I got, I was full on into this and I was just hell bent and determined to make this a success. And 
to provide bikes. And so then we ended up, yes, my mom flew over there with me, which we were so scared because I had little children at the time. And um, everybody was like, why are you going to Cambodia? It's so dangerous, this and that. And I thought, okay, if I die in Cambodia, then I died for a good reason because this is what I've got to do. And my children will forever know that I died with a purpose. And so I just decided I had to do it. My mom went with me and, um, yeah, we had, they had this beautiful ceremony. I was obviously in great touch with the organization and they set up um, a ceremony um, where these girls, I ended up being able to provide, my goal was a hundred. I wanted to give a hundred all-terrain bicycles away. Uh-huh. I ended up being able to give 250 That's amazing. all-terrain bicycles away. I know. And so not because it, it was, it, I'm not saying I'm so, it wasn't amazing because I did it. It was amazing that so many people just were so, it, it just, the whole community came together um, art collectors were just, it, it just felt so good to be able to do something more than just buy a painting. Right. Okay. I, I like your painting. It's fine. It's great. I'll hang it up. Yeah. But I'm also getting making a difference provide- in people's yes. lives. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so that was just a complete changing point, you know, in my life. Um, so it wasn't the first time I'd partnered with a nonprofit because that's kind of the thing I do, but it was the first time that I really, well, wasn't the first time, but it just, it really was just, it, it, it was definitely a life-changing moment for sure. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah. I was just going to mention phenomenal. on your website that people can go and see all the organizations you partnered with. And you said, I think on your website, it says that uh, whatever painting they buy, they can choose a portion of the um, profit to go towards their chosen organization. Yes. So that's um, a lot of times. Yes. So either somebody can do that or if there's a different organization that they're interested in, um, that's fine as well. They, they can designate it that way. Meaning I take a portion. I don't take, um, they don't have to, to do that. I take a percent, you know, it's one reason, um, that I love a gallery. I think galleries are great, but by not being currently represented by one particular gallery, I can take that the hundred percent that I get and I can give away, 20% to a cause, you know, and right. still feel like, you know, I'm, but I have to do a lot of marketing. I mean, galleries do a lot for artists. They are very important. Um, but I, you, it's a lot of work to do right. it all on your own, but it allows you to be a little bit more aut- autonomous and, and to be able to give back if um, you kind of have a higher percent to be able to give away and, and, and to work with um, people on. And some, sometimes I'll, you know, if I do installations for hotels or airports or whatever, sometimes they don't, obviously ask for me to give anything away, but I I feel obligated because not by any other reason, except for the fact that I just, I want to make a, a difference. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't think every artist should feel like this. I don't think people should feel guilty if they don't, I don't, but I just, it's something that's in me that I just feel like um, it makes me feel motivated. It just motivates me. Mm -hmm. And that's it. Yeah. Well, and related to that, just um, have you found social media like Instagram and Facebook has been, good for just you generating interest in your paintings and has that been a good way for you to market yourself you know facebook definitely because i've reconnected you know i'm of the facebook generation yeah. <laughs> i feel like me too <laughs> i would love to be of the instagram you know but i'm not i mean i'm almost 50 uh-huh. so i mean i'm not gonna i mean i'm sure there's plenty of people that are almost 50 that have love Instagram, but I, and it's fine. And that's where I post most of my stuff. Mm-hmm. I have no idea why I think. Cause I like the beautiful layout. How yeah. clean it is. 
Um, and I love to discover artists there, but Facebook's really been my true connector because those are my people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> those, those are my, my generation. You know, it, those are my generation. And, and you know, it's people out of the woodwork will be like, you know, from, they'll come from college or graduate school or whatever childhood. And they'll just reach back out and say, gosh, Nancy, I love your work. I've yeah. always wanted a piece. I and mean, I just had this person reach out to me that I haven't spoken to in 30 years. Mm-hmm. I mean, I knew we were friends on Facebook, but not really, you know, it's yeah. just, it, and she's like, I keep seeing your work and it's great. I was like, this is, I, I love Facebook, yeah. but I know that dates me, but yeah, Facebook's been a little bit better for me because it truly is more, um, and I need to use it more now. I don't want to get to the point where people are like muting me uh-huh, or right. deleting me. So it's, 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 it's a balance because I have my page, my business page where I want to, but then my personal page, I feel like I should only be posting about my children and my dog. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I don't know, you know, I feel like if they're interested in my artwork, they can go to my page, but every now and then I kind of remind my personal friends like, Oh yeah, I'm an artist by the way. Yeah. But it's a, you know, if you don't care and you hate it, that's cool too. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> But yeah, Facebook has been kind of my thing. Instagram, I, I definitely have had um, some connections there. I mean, that's mm-hmm. where I discovered the artist mother. Um, is it? No, that's not true. I discovered them just through Apple Podcasts. I oh, think. okay. So yeah, I, it, Instagram's fine. It's beautiful. I, I look um, at your Instagram every day. So keep doing it. Oh, thanks, Shannon. <laughs> you may be the only one. I just, you know, I just, I do it's fine. It's fine. It's beautiful. And I like posting there, but I do feel like there is a lot of insecurity that can come along with posting on Instagram and comparing yourself and Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. And and I feel like I don't have that on Facebook. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But I still, Instagram's where I post and it just kind of flows over to Facebook because I connect the two of them. So I don't really even post on Facebook. Right. Super ironic. I should maybe rethink my my marketing plan. Um, and then just going back to your commission paintings, I know you've done several, you have a painting at the Greenville Spartanburg airport. Am I saying that right? Or is it, it's Greenville, right? Yep. Okay. And then mission health systems. When you live in Greenville, you say Greenville. 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 (laughs) Greenville. (laughs) So you have a painting there, a huge painting, and then the mission health Mm -hmm. system. So other commission works, how did, how did those come about or how did they find you for large scale commissions? So those have both, both of those have come through RFPs. And, um, so if, if any artists are listening to this, yourself included, anybody, um, there's a cafe.org it's C A F E call for artists. Um, it's, um, dot, I think it's dot org. Gosh, I don't know. I think it's dot org. It's cafe arts. And so there's, the, it, I have it saved in my little, you know, uh, browser, but I go over there every now and then and I look at calls that people are having. And they, I had to submit not only an RFP for the Greenville Spartanburg Airport, but I had to create two maquettes. So small um, pieces that they then, you know, could have. Um, they were uh, maybe eight inches by 12 inches. And I did the originals. Now I have two in there and they're two 16 foot triptychs. Um, And so I did these tiny little woodblock renditions and framed them and everything. And we had to, it was lots of artists kind of applied and sent in their stuff. And I was hoping to get one in at all. 
and just was floor. So I gave them two options because I thought, well, if they hate one, maybe they'll like the other one. And there was only one space I was vying for because they was said there was one, you know, 16 foot space. Anyway, got the call and it had been reduced to 18 people. And so 18 people in the finals. And then they called and said, okay, not only do we want this one piece, but would you mind doing both? And it was going to be the biggest painting I'd ever done, Yeah, but I never say no. And I figure it out later. I just say yes. And then I hang up and like, then freak out and like, Oh my God, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I figured it out and I did it. And it was awesome, cool experience. And so I have two 16 foot pieces there. And then for the mission health system, same thing. I looked um, it up. Cafe, it's call for entry.org. Um, I applied. Yes. Thank you. Call for entry.org. That's it. And it's amazing. It's a great, great. Let me tell you, I've been rejected. So it's not like, oh, all right. I've been plenty of rejections. Um, but, you know, it's like playing the lotto, I think. <laughs> You're not going to exactly. win the lotto if you don't buy a ticket. Um, so I, um, but, the, but ironically or not, those were both from there. And I applied for the call um, for mission. And they said you could submit up to four pieces. So um, I then asked them if I could submit more. And they were like, I don't know how you do that because it locks you out. And so I created a second username uh-huh. and I, and I told him it was me. It was my real name, but it was like one was NH Joyce and the other was like Nancy H Joyce. And, and it had my full name and stuff in there, but I double submitted. And because I just had so many ideas anyway, I thought I'm probably get rejected from everything, but done wow. well, they accepted Amazing. them all, everything. And those uh-huh. were my murmuration pieces. And so, you know, you just never know. I think um, life, like, um, you know, you're not going to, if you doubt yourself and don't do anything. You have to take risks, too, I think. That's what I'm Even if you doubt, Doing this yes, podcast. You really, risk, really you know, like do. Guys jump in and give it a try. Abs- yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, what do you have to lose? It's just like, okay, so if you do it and you don't get in, you don't have to announce that. You don't have to go on to Instagram and say, oh, my God, I just got rejected. I'm such a loser. No, you can just have a glass of wine and get over it and move on. Um, or you can announce it if you feel comfortable and yeah. if you want to tell people. You know, but it's just – but okay. both of those have been calls that I replied to and got lucky enough to and get And then I in. thought um, you wrote a book. Uh, when was that published? About a year year ago? A book called The Education of Little Me. I was thinking we could talk about that quickly. Yes. And then we'll end the interview since we've been talking for a while. Okay, okay, okay. okay. <laughs> no, all good. I know. Good. I'm sorry. Um, so, yeah, so I did. So that book came about. It's The Education of Little Me is a memoir. And I know I'm not that old. And I'm probably not even that interesting. But I did have a... I had a rough, rough, rough education because I wasn't your square peg that fat, fit, you know, that fit into a square hole. I was definitely the different child. And my um, son, I've, um, in third grade, we kind of were running across some of the similar things that I think I had dealt with growing up. And I explained this kind of in the, in the opening or preface, you know, of the book, um, you know, talking about how, you know, I had been through, you know, I actually had been to her here, um, Julie Lithcott Hames, which is, she's a New York times bestseller author of how to raise an adult and break free of the overparenting trap and prepare your kid for success. And I thought, you know, this just so many emotions hit me. We were living the apartment complex at the time. I went home and it just, we were ha- getting a lot of calls from the teachers about my son. And 
like, oh, maybe he's not a good fit in the school. I don't know. It just struck me. And I thought, I've got to tell my story to my son. I've got to tell my story about how much I struggled and how much I went through and just how much people thought that I would never succeed. I've got to write this down for him because at the very least, I do not want anyone to ever tell him that he cannot be super successful. It turns out he was diagnosed with ADD and um, he's a super smart kid, um, but he like me, and I'm sure I was, and I admit this in the book, you know, I'm sure I'm ADD, but I, I've never, I was never diagnosed because I was born in the early seventies and I've learned how to deal with it, you know, <laughs> with coffee and exercise, but, um, <laughs> but, you know, and, and I, my prefrontal cortex has developed, but you know, his is not yet. And I really wanted to put this down in words for him. So I, I wrote it and it was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life and, um, had a bad accident where I almost lost my life and um, I didn't. And that's when I had finally, I was almost done with the book at that point when I got really hurt. And and so I forced myself at that point because I didn't die to just finish the book. Cause I thought I've yeah. got to just do this for him. And so I finished it and it just truly was the most difficult thing. I've done. It, it, writing a book is, I mean, I don't want to discourage anyone. It was so exhilarating and wonderful, but it was rough. Um, and so I, um, yeah, I did that. And it just kind of throws, not all my mistakes I've ever made in my life, because it would have been a you know, <laughs> 10,000 page book. But these, this is just the mistakes that I made that I can talk about, you know, to a 12 year old child about my education. Um, so yeah, it was, it, I wrote, uh, just let him, let him know that really grit and perseverance grit and perseverance is really in determination is, is kind of where things soar. It's not about what people can tell you, tell you that you can or can't. I've do. read the book and I, I highly recommend it to everyone. Yeah. And it, it's on oh, Amazon. Thanks. I believe is where people can buy it. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much for talking Thank to me today, you. Nancy. This was amazing to hear all your thoughts. Um, and I do recommend listeners to go to nancyjoycegallery.com. There's lots of information on there about Nancy. And then if you go to the livingartistpodcast.com website, you can learn more about Nancy and other artists as well. So thanks so much, Nancy. Thanks. Please subscribe to the Living Artist Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. Feel free to review the podcast and share it so that I can get more listeners and establish a larger living artist community.